I was new in Cape Town, South Africa, and I was having a very bad day. Everything that could possibly go wrong had gone wrong. I had a misunderstanding with the archbishop. I had a misunderstanding with the archdeacon. I had a misunderstanding with the dean of the cathedral. I had a misunderstanding with my superior in England. And I was feeling very, well, misunderstood. (laughs) If I needed information, I always managed to ask the wrong person. I was either ignored or patronized, and I could not decide which was worse. I was culture, uh, suffering from culture shock and desperately homesick. I had the usual symptoms of stress, trouble concentrating, trouble sleeping. I lost things. I dropped things. I forgot things. I was late to things. Outwardly, my ministry was emerging beautifully. I was getting lots of invitations to preach. People were coming to talk to me in droves. And I was working very hard to stay centered and focused. But still, I felt very alien, very much a failure, and my confidence was low. Then one afternoon, while pondering all these miseries, while feeling very frightened, very confused, and worst of all, incompetent, I happened to look down at the floor there curled up in a tight little spiral was a small brown worm. I touched it gently. It twitched. Alive, I thought. I slipped an index card under its little body and carried it out of my cell into the back garden, very pleased with myself for rescuing this creature, I shook the card slightly, the worm slid off and began to fall to the ground. But while it was still in the air, suddenly a bird swooshed right in front of me wings almost touching my outstretched hands and grabbed the bird uh, the worm sorry gone for good it's little worm life over in the belly of a bird I was devastated I stood there in shock and then wandered kind of dazed 
back to my room and I sat on the floor by my bed where I usually prayed. Oh God, what am I doing here? Why am I stuck in this God-forsaken country where I do everything wrong? I can't even save a worm. (laughs) And I burst into tears. I needed help. Particularly help having to do with my own spiritual life and well-being. I found that help in the Tibetan Buddhist Meditation Center not far from where I was living at the time. A lecture at that center was announced, and it was entitled something like Meditative Practice Beyond Psychotherapy. Well, I thought, that sounds like the sort of thing that I do in my own work, and so I went. And Rob Nairn, the speaker, said nothing that I might not have said myself, except that he said it much better. And what I mean by that is that he said nothing at all that conflicted with my own faith. And I had no problem agreeing with what he shared. After the talk, I asked him if he saw people individually. He said he did. Well, would you see me? I asked, and he laughed and readily agreed. Now, during the appointment, I told him how my meditation was going and he gave me a few pointers then he said what you need to do is make a retreat here I said probably with a small degree of alarm sounding in my voice yes of course he said well I went home and I placed a phone call to my bishop in the UK to ask permission. My bishop was delighted. He asked me to thank Rob personally for giving me spiritual care and making me feel welcome. Then he made two assertions that have stayed with me all these years. First, my bishop said, we can't all say everything. We can't all say everything. Referring, of course, to different religions. Next, he chuckled a bit. And there's nothing in our religion that says we can't be fed where there's food. Wow. There's nothing in our religion that says we can't be fed where there's food. And so the Tibetan center became my home away from home. I was there whenever I was not 
on duty in some way within the Anglican Church. I took every course that was offered, whether it was taught by Rob Nairn himself or by the resident monk whose name was Chodrak. I was there for all the pujas. Pujas are rituals you and I might call a service. I participated in the social activities of the center. I made lifelong friends. And most of all, I learned how to promote my own happiness and alleviate my own suffering. Buddhism, you see, is all about the cause of suffering and how to alleviate that suffering. The Four Noble Truths, as some of you may well have read, are these. One, all life involves suffering or unsatisfactoriness. Two, the cause of this unsatisfactoriness is ego clinging or attachments. Three, it is possible for this suffering to cease. Four, we alleviate suffering by following the eightfold noble path. Now, here is the eightfold noble path, often referred to as the middle way. One, right understanding. It matters how we view things. Two, right thought. Working with our mind. Three, right speech. Tell the truth and don't harm people by the way we speak. Four, right action. It's not going to work to sit like a bump on a log and do nothing. Five, right livelihood. It actually matters how we earn our living. Six, right effort. The spiritual path is not about going passive. Seven, right mindfulness. We need to pay attention in the present moment. And finally, eight, right meditation. We need to make peace with all that is within and learn to be profoundly present to our own inner being. Right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. Well, what about conflicts? So many people have asked. How do you reconcile 
Christianity with Buddhism. Well, let me ask you something. Have you heard anything yet that I've said about Buddhism that conflicts with Christianity? Probably not. But what about reincarnation? Demanded someone who was interviewing me for a magazine. Well, I laughed. I've always believed in purgatory, and maybe purgatory is coming back here. (laughs) Happily, she dropped the subject. (laughs) Now, some people actually do claim that Buddhism as a system is not really a religion, not in the way most people in the West think of it. Some people will say that Buddhism is a philosophy and a psychology, not a religion. The Dalai Lama himself was once asked, is Buddhism a religion? And he replied, yes, it is. What sort of religion is it? And he famously replied, my religion is kindness. My religion is kindness. For you see, Buddhism is a non-theistic system, religion, if you will. Now let's be very clear. It's not atheistic. It's non-theistic. And by that is meant that Buddhist thinkers, meditators, monks, lamas, roshis, pretty much just leave the issue of God alone. The reason for this, they say, is that whenever we get into conversation either with others or within ourselves about the nature of God, we're really dealing with speculation. It's not a problem we can solve. However, we can solve the problem of our own suffering, so let's get on with that. Another lama I heard one time said, God is the absolute. Whenever we talk about God, however, we are using concepts, and the concepts are not absolute. So we Buddhists prefer not to have that conversation. So it's very practical. Very practical indeed. In most Buddhist circles, nobody's going to object if you believe in God, and nobody is going to object if you don't. I was very fortunate in that the center I happened upon was a center called the Karmakaju lineage of Tibetan Buddhism. And that lineage is frequently known as the practice lineage. In other words, they don't really get that involved 
in the particulars of history or uh, philosophical teachings or what a person believes and doesn't believes believe. What they care about is meditation. And as soon as they realized that I wasn't there to infiltrate the place and try to convert them to something else, all they were interested in is how my meditation was going and how they could help. To them, I was just a nun, and it didn't much matter to them what kind. Another vignette in that regard. Some years later, I was at Sami Ling, which is the big Tibetan center in the south of Scotland. has an enormous Buddhist temple, just gorgeous. And I went in there uh, to meditate during a puja and sat in the public spaces where I thought I belonged. And a little monk came up to me, stood right in front of me, and bowed deeply, pointed to a place closer to the shrine, and said, the nuns sit there. I said, but my brother, I'm a Christian nun. He bowed again. The nuns sit there. So I picked up my cushion, and I went to where the nuns sit. That's the kind of openness and acceptance. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to call it a lack of fussing that I found so refreshing about that uh, tradition. Over the years and my own studies, it has struck me that every religious tradition that we might encounter has three main components. The first is a belief system. The second is a moral code. And the third is a spiritual practice. Now, most of us in Western societies are very good at transmitting those first two, the belief system and the moral code. In other words, we're just great at teaching people what to believe and how to behave. And sadly, we tend somehow to say about prayer and meditation, the spiritual practice, ah, you're on your own. Now, I would assert, and this is the way St. John's Center approaches it, is that instead of having endless discussion and never coming to a conclusion about doctrine and ethics, that we practice being quiet together. We learn to sit in silence. We learn to make friends with the way our minds work. We learn how to be happier and how to alleviate our suffering. And through that, to exercise compassion with regard to other people. It is amazing to see people 
from all different religious backgrounds and none come together to do just that. My teacher Rob Nairn himself said that the different religions are like the spokes of a wheel. If you look at the position of the spokes on the periphery of the wheel, they are far apart. However, as they approach the center, they get closer and closer together. His contention was, is that whatever belief system, religious tradition, our background is, or even that we have adopted after the age of reason, that we come closer and closer together as we move toward the heart of that religious practice. Finally, some of you have heard of the great comparative religion scholar Karen Armstrong, who has really studied all the world religions. She calls herself a freelance monotheist. (laughs) She claims that the single characteristic in common of all the major religions on the planet, the single factor in common is compassion. Compassion. When we learn to be at peace with ourselves and our own inner conflict, we have compassion for ourselves and everyone else. And in this, there cannot possibly be a conflict. So I close with a dedication called Sharing the Benefit. Most meditators close their practice with this. It's an understanding that everything we do for ourselves in cultivating our spiritual lives is not just for us. It's for everybody else. All other sentient beings. May all beings be happy and create the causes of happiness. May they all be free from suffering and from creating the causes of suffering. May they find that noble happiness which can never be tainted by suffering. May they attain universal, impartial compassion, free of the worldly bias towards friends and enemies. Peace be with you.